The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. So you should take some time now and just check in whether we understand it formally or directly or not. We're all students of loving kindness. And uh, really, the, in the Buddhist tradition, it, we're just being a conscious student. So much of what the Buddha encourages us in us is to just start paying attention to cause and effect. And if we do that, one of the most obvious things that we'll notice is being mean-spirited, being stingy, being greedy doesn't feel good. I mean, it's so obvious. It's just that we're so wrapped up when we are greedy, when we are angry, you know. We're so busy being angry that we don't notice what it feels like, that it really hurts. And just the opposite, when the heart is tender and caring and patient and generous and forgiving, it feels good if we noticed, if we take a moment to, oh, yeah, oh yeah, this feels good. This is trustworthy. So in the, you know, in the Buddhist tradition, as in a number of other spiritual traditions, loving kindness and compassion and you know, all the various reverberations of these wholesome qualities are talked about a lot. And you don't have to be involved in any sort of formal spiritual tradition to, if you're just paying a little attention in life, we'll gravitate in this direction, right? Because when we're going the other way, if we're paying attention to some degree, we'll notice this doesn't work, this hurts. And we'll notice when we are relatively kind or relatively patient, we notice how much better our life works, how much lighter our heart is. So this is our chance to share what we've been learning together, right? Because everybody in their own twists and turns in your life, you've been learning that hatred and greediness doesn't lead to happiness, and you've been learning that generosity and kindness and compassion is healing and leads to happiness. And we can hear from each other, like our own stories, not just the successes, you know, the places in our life where we learned, boy, that doesn't work. That doesn't seem to be leading to happiness. We can learn from each other. So I encourage you to share now. And of course, any questions you have to clarify how we do this practice, um, feel free to ask questions, but also just share your learnings, what you've been learning about this part of life we call learning the value of a loving heart, a kind heart. Learning that the opposite is hell. (laughs) And uh, Pierre has a mic here, so, or somebody has the mic, we'll pass it around to you. Remember to point it right at your mouth though, so we can, it's a directional mic, so it's got to be pointing right at your mouth in order for us to hear you. So who'd like to begin? Yeah, please. Thanks, Paul. You know, when I do loving-kindness practice, um, sometimes I can feel a real sort of boundless heart, especially when I 
project it to groups, you know, like animals, um, people, and even like extending it to, you know, insects, fish, bird, like just even even extending it to other planets and universe, like just, just keep going. And it's really expansive, you know. Um, and then after I'm done doing that, like in the morning, and then I go and eat breakfast and I put on NPR <laughs> and I, I look at the debates, the, you know, videos and, um, it's like, it's two different worlds I'm inhabiting and they don't like, it, it's, it's interesting how it's sometimes I just, um, I ask myself, what am I doing? You know, because all of a sudden the heart gets really closed and, uh, and, uh, you know, there's this sort of division right away. And, um, and so I, I kind of, it's been, st- I've been stopping myself from consuming media and it actually happened a few nights ago in the last Republican debate. For the first time, I actually started feeling really like sympathetic and sad for what was going on there. It was like, this is awful. I'm turning this off. And like, it was like, um, it doesn't mix with loving kindness, even participating and watching it. So, anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's probably possible to find the, the appropriate motivation to keep it on, but it wouldn't be easy, right? Because because the whole thing is designed to be divisive, designed to separate us into camps and to be for... Same with... It's hard to have that kind of kindness and equanimity even when you're watching two sports teams that you don't even care about, right? But your mind, our minds are in the habit of being, well, I'm going to be for the underdog or I like the way that person looks. I'm going to be for this team. And then all of a sudden we have sides and then it's hard to kind of ha- have a universal radiation of loving kindness. A little bit more for our team, you know. Or if you have it, there's no point in watching it. Yeah. yeah. You're not interested. But we can, when we're forced, you know, somebody else turn the radio on, you know, and then we don't have any choice. We're hearing what's going on. Then we practice. It's the same thing if we're at Thanksgiving and, you know, our relatives are talking about politics or whatever. (coughs) You know, there is a way not to get sucked in. Some situations are easier than others. Right, like Paul mentioned, that universal radiation where we're sending it to all beings, because it's not personal, it can be easier for people. I mean, it may be sort of abstract, that might weaken a little, but, but when there's somebody really being a jerk, or somebody's just an ordinary somebody, you know, nothing special, then it may be hard. So, that's the point, is to go where the edge is. And we can always go back where it's easy, build up some momentum, and then back to those places where it's not so easy. And, you know, you could bring any of the, any of the candidates for president to mind, and I bet it isn't too much of a stretch when we're not listening to the divisiveness of the debate to realize it's not easy being you right now. Right? <laughs> It isn't. Can you imagine being in that situation and having to compromise in the way that most candidates have to compromise? You know, basically selling their souls. And, and it's not just politicians, of course. We 
have our own version. We just have less power and less publicity. But, you know, all the little ways that we sell our soul, watching too much TV that's not good for us or, you know, all the different ways. So to be really forgiving and to have a lot of understanding, oh yeah, sometimes it's like this. Sometimes we get it swept away. Sometimes we're in it so deep, the only thing that makes sense is to keep digging. You know, it's like we've gone down this path. Our mind can't conceive of anything but just to keep doing what we've been doing. So this is one of the things that we can hold out is that uh, like when we see somebody on TV, for example, one of the politicians that we we see that they've gone down a path, a not-so-good path for a long time, like to be able to hold out that everybody can change. It may take three or four lifetimes, right? But everybody can change. Because whatever we see, like when people are being really destructive or really ignorant, whatever we see, it's constructed. Like they had, that mind had to construct something to get into that place. And whatever is constructed can be deconstructed. And that's really nice to hold out when we're with people who are in, a, let's say, a dark space or a difficult space. To, to, as we are with them, as we see them, as we feel them, what we're sensing is whatever situation you're in now, it was constructed and it can be deconstructed. Now that doesn't mean, this is a good thing about Buddhist cosmology because we can take a really vast view of things. So it doesn't mean that all of a sudden they're going to heal their cancer and they're going to get a new profession and find a job and earn a respectable income and pay off their debts and you know rework all their personality habits in the next, you know, and they're 67 and they're going to do that before they die. No. But we can have a vast view that like, just hold out this personality, that, that mind stream, that heart stream, and all of its twists and turns, whatever dark, difficult place it's gotten itself into, it can be undone. This is what's great about Buddhist cosmology. And I, you know, we can't take it as truth because Frankly, we don't know what happens at the time of death, but we can have an open mind because we don't know what happens at the time of death. So why have a closed mind, a fixed mind about it? We don't know. And, uh, but what we do know is skillful to have that open mind, and it really helps us love universally because we see, it's like we can see that everybody's redeemable. And a lot of spiritual traditions talk about this. And it's, it's just a skillful way to be relating to everybody and to our own. Because like, sometimes we're the one who's in that really dark place. And what do we need? Well, we need to be inspired not to give up. So what inspires us not to give up when we're in a really bad place? Some sense that whatever dark place we're in can be undone, Right? Otherwise, why wouldn't we just give up? Well, I've already, I'm already going to hell. Why bother to turn things around? You know, 
I'll just opt for whatever pleasantness I can get at anybody else's expense. So that's my little riff. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Other thoughts from the group? What have you been learning about love, about compassion, kindness, or the opposite? Yeah, Robert. So about a year ago, I brought up the fact that I spend a lot of time in downtown Minneapolis, and I see a lot of ugliness, a lot of homelessness, and I have difficulty with it like probably many people do. Well, I decided to choose a person, and I approached him, and I give him just a small amount of money. And um, uh, I, over the course of this period of time, that wall that I built is really decreased in height. And that fear, that fear that, oh, God, he wants from me, it's really, it's lessened so much. Um, it's not all the time, but, you know, I can look in ugliness's face now and smile and be okay with it and not have that fear. And um, I think I attribute it to what I learned here. And I want to thank you. And with that, I'll pass. Yeah, thanks so much. And it's such an inspiration to, to do it, you know, for all of us to do what you did, which is to pick some place where there is a lot of fear like that. And it may be a boss, it might be a colleague or somebody you have to supervise that you just don't like or don't trust or whatever, or a neighbor or whatever, one of your relatives. And... Uh, Find a way to relate with fresh eyes, to start over. And, uh, and not like all at once. Like that's why I like what Rob was saying, how the decrease over time, you know, whatever wall we've put up, a wall of fear, a wall of, you know, we despise that person. If it was created, it can be deconstructed, right? But we have to, we have to work at it because the habit energy is going in a particular direction. So we have to create an equal and opposite force. Otherwise, the habit energy will just keep, you know, every time we see that person at the intersection asking for money, that wall of fear is going to come up. So we have to create, you know, this is where resolve comes in. We make a resolve. I don't want to be somebody who's always afraid. Why do... What value is that adding in my life or in, any, in the whole community's life? What is that fear, that closing down of my heart? What good is coming from that? If we actually check it out, we'll be very clear. No good is coming from it. Yeah, did you have a thought? Mary, is that right? Yeah, I, I, I do, actually. And um, it may conflict with what you just said. I don't know, but um, you can comment on that if if so um so i lived uh for i moved moved back here a couple of years ago i lived for 13 years in san francisco and i feel like in the bay area particularly like the spiritual or yoga community um there's a lot of idealizing of compassion there's a lot of talk about compassion and um, kindness, but it's all while people are stepping over each other to get what they came there for. 
And um, I was very cynical about it. But at the same time, I was trying to be really open and accepting of people and open to whatever came to me. But yet I kept finding myself in these situations where I'd be like, oh, how did I get here? Where it was causing me pain or it was um, not safe. And I um, have realized in the last couple of years that, and, and I keep hearing this almost once a week, that you can, you have a choice of what, what you want to give your attention to. And it's not, and who you want to love you. And it's not necessarily, um, being closed hearted or closed minded, but, um, it's, it's being open hearted with wisdom and being safe. That is just something that's kind of formulating and coming together for me now. And, resonates with me a lot and I've been trying to find this fine line between being open-hearted but also being safe and not having fear and I'm finding now that I'm able to use healthier boundaries and say no thank you that's not for me um, I feel like I'm able to be more open-hearted to people that feel safe does that make sense? Yeah, because a lot of when we hear, like even what we people have heard tonight, or we like you talked about the sort of unquestioned, like oh, we should be loving universally, and it becomes this abstract ideal that people feel they have to imitate or live up to. But what we forget is that we're uncovering something that's really natural in the heart, and the nature of the heart to connect and respond, it doesn't naturally, the mind doesn't naturally create boundaries. Those boundaries are just habits. So when we're taking care of whatever's going on in the moment, we wouldn't neglect ourselves. We wouldn't favor somebody over taking care of ourselves. So that problem you're pointing to wouldn't arise except if somebody has, the mind has picked up some idealized version of compassion, where they think compassion has to do with those people. But love, forgiveness, compassion, gentleness, you know, all of those words that we use, we're talking about a heart that's experiencing things without boundaries. So its response, it's you mentioned like I have to direct myself. Well, you might have to direct yourself toward your own self-care only because there's a habit of neglecting that. Once that habit is taken care of, you might find that you naturally take care of yourself. And in a way, we should be the first person we take care of because we happen to be closest to ourselves, right? In a funny way, so it's not like being selfish to put ourselves to bed, to feed ourselves, to put some money in the bank. It's not uh, wrong to do that. But it isn't wrong for somebody, if they're really sensitive about their needs, to choose to take care of somebody else, even if it harms them to some degree, as long as they're not disconnected from their needs. So for whatever reason 
that choice made sense. But it didn't make sense because they somehow had a habit of thinking they didn't matter, they don't count. Right? That's the, the deal. So real love isn't something we do then. It's something, what real love requires is the stripping away of what in Buddhism we'd call wrong view or the sense of separation, right? Because when that's stripped away, then the heart is tender in all directions, including to our own life. The chant we'll do at the very end, we talk about um, sending loving kindness out in all directions, above, below, all around, and to all as to ourself, right? So no different. The radiation, the love, the compassion, it isn't greater out there or even greater to the poor than to the rich. It's like every, that's like uh, our heart is this incredible, I mean, the, I, the at least as an image, you know, this great sensitivity of the heart and it's just going to be sensitive to whatever is in front, whatever we feel or see. And, and then that's what we respond to. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Mary. That's a common thing, I think, is that we, we take up compassion as a, some idealized form and then there's a ricochet because we haven't been listening to our own needs and heart. Other thoughts? Yeah, first Liz. Um, yeah, I just went back to a worshiping community that I used to be a member of and I don't know if it's because I, I'm critical of myself, which I am, but you know, when I was welcomed back into the choir and to that community with such love and acceptance and appreciation, you know, I don't know, it just really is so uh, overwhelming. It's so lovely. And there was, I um, saw someone at work in my new job that I used to work with. And I know, I mean, I am critical of myself, but I know I was a hard person to work with when I worked with her before. And she, you know, she wanted me to come on board with this company and she was very welcoming. And I was just um, amazed that, you know, how much love was just being poured out Um and I was not being judged, and I was, you know, really being received and loved. I, I don't know. It's, it's just. Um, I just see that as being. It's just uh, overwhelming to me. So, I appreciate it. So, yeah. And this, this could be a simple practice that we can all do because some people, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's not a small percentage. I mean, I think it's five to 10% at least, are just naturally really good at love. So, And it doesn't mean that they're part of any organized religion or they probably were just really loved you know, in their life and so then it's relatively easy for them to love unconditionally. And we meet them in you know, all kinds of just normal places. And the important thing is because the way it works is we sympathetically vibrates with what we're around. So when you notice something, first of all, it's, it's something to appreciate that you actually noticed this beautiful quality like you're sharing now with us, Liz. Because we could have been, like, you know, when we're so wrapped up in our own dramas, we don't notice the beautiful qualities in the people around us. But when we do, 
then really practice that sympathetic vibration like let your heart attune to the lightness, the nimbleness, the beautiful radiance, like how unconditional their kind regard is. Like they're loving you, they're being nice to you, not because they want something, not even because they necessarily know you. That's just what their heart does. And it's funny because at first you might think, well, it's not special. They, they love everybody. But that's not the actual experience. Like even though that may be true, that they love everybody, they're nice to everybody, they're kind to everybody, that may be true, but it, it feels personal when you're there at the receiving end. Isn't it true? It's like it doesn't matter that the cashier is nice to everybody. What matters is it's real, right? It's not a fake thing. She or he is actually there, actually concerned or caring or loving or pleasant to be with. Yeah, thanks, Liz. Did I see another hand back here? Yeah. Kermit. Maybe this would be helpful to somebody. I hope I can articulate this. Um, I've been really having a dry spell with this meta thing and I'm think you know, just not feeling it. You know, who's who is it that's wishing these wonderful things for everybody? And um I just had a little epiphany this week. There's um there's a line here it says, even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, um and so forth. Um I was listening to a guy from the Tibetan uh, Bon tradition, and he was describing the, you know, maybe we have different terminology, Buddha seed or whatever, but he was saying that the your true nature or your lum, your true nature or your luminous mind is really the mother, and it's the mother that holds you like you're a baby and um that just put that just put a totally different spin on it for me yeah that's beautiful and these poetic images then we need to bring alive as actualities you know so we hear this like we all have now from kermit who heard it from somebody else who probably heard it from someone else who heard it from Right? So these sort of wisdom streams with uh, little potent images or potent teachings. And then we hear it, that somehow this capacity for universal love is really here in the nature of the mind, the luminous mind itself. Right? So then that maybe perks up the mind. So we get curious. Well, is there a refuge that's here. Is there a luminous, all-embracing heart, mind here? Right? So then th- that's really should make us curious. Well, like there's a lot of activity I notice, like the sound of my own voice and sensations. But there is a space, like a background space. And it has that luminous quality. So this is what I was pointing to and the Buddha and all everyone points to is that love is not a construction. Compassion, 
generosity. It's not something I do. It's something that's there when the neurotic stuff quiets down a little bit or falls away. And this is such a relief because otherwise it's like uh, Mary was sort of pointing at where love or generosity or compassion is this idea that the ego has. If I'm going to be a good person, I've got to be compassionate. I've got to be generous. And it's like this 50-pound or 150-pound backpack that we think we need to wear through life. I've got to be good. right? And then we get the shadow coming in where all of a sudden then we want to be mean because I was forcing myself to be good. And then there's, in a frictionless universe, there's going to be an equal and opposite reaction. And then people start doing despicable things as a reaction to feeling forced to be good. So the real practice, even though uh, the way we did it tonight didn't have as much that flavor, but ultimately the real practice of love and compassion is the stripping away or the learning how to drop habits of greediness, habits of aversion, habits of control, and realizing what your bond teacher described as the luminous mind, right? Because that's what's left when all this self-centered activity drops away in a moment, right? And we only need a moment to see it. And then that builds the confidence that there is this radiance, this luminous, this kindness, and I don't have to do it. It's such a relief not to have to be the kind person. That it's more about real it's a realization like we're sensing it or we're realizing it or we're trusting it. Like it like that's just a useful teaching. Like it wants to come out. Generosity wants to come out. Gentleness, kindness, fearless compassion. It wants to express itself. But we uh, you know, out of habit, and that's not personal either, but they're real. Those habits are real, but they can be seen through. Like, what's well, just a habit to be afraid? Like Rob was talking about with the, you know, running into a homeless person or somebody asking for money. You know, the, the habit is to build that wall, but that's a habit. It's not, it's something, it's a habit, but it's not, uh, it's not uh, impenetrable a habit. It's just a habit. It can be worn down and resolve the sort of resolve, the fearless resolve to look at that wall, to relax with the wall, to kind of see through the wall. My God, there's a human being there who's probably in their situation doing the best they can. But I don't want to let it in because where does it end? But that's just a story in the mind. Right now, this is just one person. You know, we tell ourselves, sir, well, there's going to be hundreds of these people. Well, there are hundreds. Of, but right now, there's just one person, or actually two, this person and this person, right? And this heart is quaking. And because it's quaking, it's building this wall. But the wall hurts. It's so much more alive to start seeing through the wall. And we just have to start where it's safe. So maybe the homeless person on the street corner isn't where it's safe for you. You know, it might be your cat. But we have to start somewhere and then build the confidence from there.
This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org.